You're listening to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show, your daily podcast on the National Football League, powered by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show, part two of our week two game reviews. We've got Monday Night Football now in the books. There were so many good games Sunday afternoon and Sunday night that we didn't cover on Monday's show. So let's get into everything we saw this weekend, our big takeaways. Before we get going, by the way, at BD Peacock on Twitter, at Williamson NFL, get some questions in for tomorrow's program. If we have time, do a little stock up, stock down. Maybe who are the best 2-0 and 0-2 teams in the NFL, maybe the worst 2-0 and and the best 0-2s. Uh, there is some interesting teams out there that are doing well or, or not doing as well as we thought so far this season. One of those teams that we thought would do really well that laid a complete egg in week one was the Green Bay Packers. And they came back with a vengeance here, especially in the second half of Monday Night Football. 21 unanswered points in the second half. They were down for half of this football game. Uh, but they came back, four touchdown passes from Aaron Rodgers, four touchdowns for... Uh, running back Aaron Jones, three of those through the air. And Jared Goff, a valiant effort there for the Detroit Lions early, had a nice early lead, and the Biting Dan Campbells put on uh, you know, uh, as much of a, a fight as they could here, but just overpowered in the end, and Green Bay Packers, Matt, I'll ask you this question. Are the Green Bay Packers back now? Do you feel much better about the Packers after Monday Night Football? I do. I, I want to start with the Lions, though, just because they, watching that game, they reminded me, I'm not much of a college basketball fan, but sometimes you'll see like a small college program play Duke or North Carolina or Kansas or some stud program early in the season. And for two quarters or a half or so, their shots are falling, they're making threes, they're getting bounces, and they're in it. And then it's hard to play 60 minutes against those guys. You know what I mean? Like, after a while, North Carolina brings in another five-star recruit off the bench who's fresh, who's dunking from the foul line, and eventually the team that has less talent can't keep up for the duration of the game. And that's what the first half felt like to me with the Lions, is just they're bringing everything they got. Monday Night Football is sort of their Super Bowl situation. They got young, plucky guys, you know, and guys like Hawkinson look great. But they just don't have enough in the tank to go, you know, whistle to whistle. And and that's kind of true for Goff, too. And I'm not killing Goff because I thought he played really well. But I've always called Goff a fair-weather quarterback. And I actually mean that literally. He doesn't handle bad weather particularly well. But I really mean it figuratively. Like, when things are going well and the protection's pretty good, he makes throws. He's a quality player. But when things get off the rails or go a little sideways, he usually isn't able to correct it. And that's kind of how the second half went for Detroit. But he's yes, up. I think the Packers are back. And Goff has always been a pretty good – I mean, he was drafted number one overall for a reason. Yeah, he's always yeah, been right. good with a clean pocket and bad with a dirty pocket and that kind of situation. I think we saw that in this game. And um, But a valiant effort for the Lions, and they just don't have the talent. They don't, you know, right, they, right. you look at their receiving options and TJ Hawkinson, once again, as he should be their their leading uh, target gainer, eight catches for 66 yards. He had the touchdown. Um, Quintez Cephas is their next best receiver, you know, and, and Quintez Cephas is a fine player, but he shouldn't be your number one receiver on the outside. He had four catches for 63 and he did have the touchdown there. Uh, DeAndre Swift get involved in uh, the run game and the pass game. But, you know, just just not a ton of, of bullets there to beat a team like Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. Right, right. And, you know, I'm glad you mentioned Cephas and 
him and St. Brown and I guess Tyrell Williams, although he's a little older, those guys look like they'll be valuable players for the dirt, you know, going forward. But they need Calvin Johnson or Roy Williams or Herman Moore. Or, you know what I mean? Like, none of them are <laughs> resembling a one, you know? They didn't win with those guys either. They didn't. <laughs> that's true. You know, that's a good point. Uh, um, so, anyway, I think the Packers are, are going to be fine, right? And they just laid an egg, and Aaron Rodgers has his feet under him now. Look more like the Aaron Rodgers we remember. I think his hair grew a little bit this week, and I think it. Uh, I think the ratio of hair sticking out the helmet is better. There's something looked better about Aaron Rodgers this week aesthetically too, and I don't know what it was. Maybe just the way he's carrying himself. Maybe I mean maybe wins agree with him, but he looks a little <laughs> ragged to me. You know, just in the face and hair and you know, whatever. But Aaron Jones found the end zone what four times? That wasn't bad. Fantasy owners are happy with that. Devontae looked great. Um, Packers O line still is a work in progress to me though. I mean, it really showed up in the first week, but they're a little banged up. They need back the Ari back. Yeah, and, and their success, even with their running backs. Aaron Jones, three he scores three touchdowns, you th- or he scores four touchdowns. You think, oh, man, he must have run all over the Lions, and he didn't at all. Not really, no. Right. Yeah, uh, 17 for 67, only 3.9 yards per carry, uh, and it was in the passing game where he had three of his touchdowns. Yeah, yeah, so I, I do think the line is a bit of a concern. Um, the defense seems similar to their defense is interesting to me because it's a new defensive coordinator. So I'm not just, you know, blanket statement the, the last couple of years, but they have some really, really good players on defense, but it's never a top five, eight, 10 type of defense. You know, I mean, guys like um, both safeties, I think Savage is a star. I mean, Gary's getting better. The Smith brothers, I know they're not brothers and one Smith didn't play as Darius and Kenny Clark and, the corners look good. Alexander's a star. Like, they have a lot of star power on defense. And it's going to be really key for Eric Stokes to continue his development first-round player. It looks like yeah, he's got yeah. some ability there uh, to take over for Kevin King, who's who's kind of been the liability there at corner opposite Jair Alexander. So that's that's important as well. And they're moving okay. Jair around, putting him in the slot when they went three wide and having Stokes come in on the outside. Um, but I think ideally it would be Alexander and Stokes and so I think it was a pretty nice performance. Gave up a couple of uh, passes early, kind of got into it, kind of similarly to the whole team. Stokes, his performance started out worse than it ended. Yes, uh, 100%. And there's something to build on there. And, you know, Kenny King had a real bad moment and has had some bad moments in the past and probably is a depth player, but, you know, yeah. rare size. And you know, they keep trying at the corner position. Did you see the guy who had uh, a ticket, a, a better who had a ticket for a 16 16- it was a twenty-five dollar ticket for a sixteen-game parlay for the entire schedule, wow. and he had everyone going into Monday Night Football, and it was the Lions. He and picked the Lions as his last one. And the Lions, if they won, he was going to win seven hundred sixty thousand dollars or something like that. Wow! And, and I didn't follow the rest of the story. I saw that before game time, and they were up at halftime. He must have been losing his mind. I wish I would have rather seen a live camera on him than the uh, the Manning family camera um i don't know if he hedged before the game and sold his ticket in some way or something or uh but but i need a follow-up story on that guy because that must have been just an amazing ride over the course of 24 hours that's pretty awesome and he picked the lions to top it off Yeah, I know. I wonder if it's just <laughs> random teams that he picked. Uh, Fifteen great decisions. How much would he have been freaking out in these other Sunday games? Like Sunday Night Football was a fantastic one. 
The Baltimore Ravens beat the Kansas City Chiefs 36-35. Man, what a game. There's just so much happening in this game. Lamar Jackson with... Uh, 16 carries, 170 yards, and a couple scores in this game, just doing everything he could, putting his head down, uh, flipping into the end zone on touchdowns. This one was just like you make the popcorn and you enjoy it. What a fun game that was. Really, really was. I mean, both these quarterbacks are must-see TV no matter what. I mean, they're two of the bright young stars in this league that are superstars. I mean, they were MVPs back-to-back years. I mean, their teams win all the time. Um, I thought the Chiefs were going to beat them bad, but I also have a rule never to doubt the Ravens. I mean, that's not an 0-2 franchise, you know. I mean, even when things were going bad in their building Sunday night and they really put it together. Um, A couple things of note was it was very clear, and I don't know if this will, quote, be a blueprint, but they did everything possible to not let Tyreek beat them. And frankly, the rest of the crew did pretty well, you know, Pringle and Hardman and Robinson, those type of guys. But you wonder, is this a good recipe? Just don't let the the hill destroy you move and let everyone else get theirs. And maybe they don't do it quite as efficiently. And I got two concerns with the Chiefs, though, is I'm not concerned about the rebuild of offensive line. But they need to run the ball a little better yeah. and maybe with a little more frequency, especially on the road in a big game like this. And their defense is flat out bad right now. I mean, it's amongst the worst in the league, in my opinion, right now. And there's, and I mentioned the Packers star power. The Chiefs certainly have star power, but I feel like the Chiefs defense is if we can create two big plays a game and get gashed for 60 others, we'll still win. Yeah, I mean, it feels like that's their defensive philosophy. Yeah, and I think teams play them differently because they know they have to score a lot, so maybe that's part of it too. But you you get Tyron Matthew back, he has the pick six, and it's like, okay, they're back now, you know, and then they're going to settle in. And they didn't the rest of the way. Um, And and you're right. I mean, obviously the Clyde Edwards-Lair fumble was huge, but they weren't running the ball well anyway. And it's to the point where it's just like, okay, do you just abandon the run if you're the Chiefs? Because Mahomes is going to do Mahomes things, and he had three touchdown passes, did have the bad pick. Uh, A couple picks from Lamar Jackson as well in this one. Um, But, yeah, you're not running the ball well. No cohesiveness there. It's just like, let's play backyard football and let – Patrick go win this game. But you're right. I think teams, when they face the Chiefs, should sell out to stop either Kelsey or Hill. Yeah. yeah. And one of the two, you just blanket them, bracket them, do whatever you have to do, and maybe that opens up something else. But then you know where the targets are going if you're doing that. And I don't think it's a a terrible plan for defense going up against the Chiefs. Yeah, and if... Hardman and Pringle combined for a big game, so be it. At least Tyreek didn't do what he did in week one and just torture you and, you know, embarrass and take the game over. And Kelsey can do it too. And obviously that's the the wrinkle is, yeah, you can take Kelsey or Hill away, but not both. (laughs) Yeah, so do you, okay, you're like, oh, well, whatever. We'll let him catch a a six-yard pass and we'll tackle him. Yeah, But Tyreek Hill, those are big plays and, and big touchdowns that you're trying to erase there and, you know, basically playing from the back end on down. And it's similar to the way the, you know, uh, a lot of teams are doing it these days with cover four and it's just like keep everything in front of you, the Brandon Staley and Vic Fangio type of schemes. And I think a lot of teams are going to go to that. And I think uh, the way offenses are playing, that's that's why that's such a popular way to play defense these days. Yeah, yeah I think you're 100% right on that. Um, a couple uh, Ravens I wanted to call out too. 
Um, I would. I thought the offensive line was noticeably better in this game. Villanueva was more comfortable on the left side. Stanley being out. You know, both those tackles are so bad in week one. But the, the line was better for sure. Um, I want to give Jason Owe uh, 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 kudos as well. You know, I mean, zero sacks at Penn State. But watching him out there, and he made a big play on the fumble. But, I mean, wow, is he athletic and smooth and you know, and that leads me to their other first round pick, Bakeman, who I've been really excited about. And unfortunately, we haven't seen him yet. The trio of Watkins, Andrews and Marquise Brown. Pretty good. You know, I mean, I, I was really worried about this receiving core when Bateman got hurt and they were obviously trying to address it this offseason. But Watkins, Andrews, Brown, who's playing really well, Brown, it might be good enough for a while. You know, it's OK. Yeah, it's nice to see Brown take an extra step here in this yeah. offense. Six catches, 113 yards. He had this, the touchdown. Um, but it's all about the ground game. 250 yards on the ground versus oh. 62 for Kansas City. It's just it's odd to see these two teams, and especially the Ravens, the way they play, score so many points. You know, a 36-35 game, you would think both teams are throwing the ball 40 times apiece. But no, the Ravens are running the ball 40 times for 250 yards. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's... It's what they do. I'm not sure it matters who the back is, if it's Murray or Freeman or if Bell gets activated. I think Williams, they was the guy they want to feature most, but don't quite trust him. Lamar worries me a little in that he's take so much is on his shoulders right now, and he's taking more hits than yes. usual. I just hope he holds up. Yeah, the taking the hits thing is the one that I don't like yeah. because the, he was so good. He was magic about not getting hit early in his career. Uh, if he has to become like a true running back and he's putting his head down a lot and getting hit a lot, I think that's a bad recipe for his just entire career. You, you don't want to get your quarterback yeah. hit that much. No, I, I, it worries me a little bit. All right, let's move on to the rest of the Sunday games in the afternoon that we didn't get to yesterday. A ton of good ones, some overtime, some really close football games coming up. As always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. Get all the updated odds, props, and contests, including Online's biggest half-million-dollar NFL Mega Contest. And get a 100% welcome bonus with promo code Locked On. Head over to the website, use your mobile device, your computer, whatever you got to sign up today and receive that 100% welcome bonus. There's news and odds on just about anything you can imagine, from football to basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino game. So don't wait and take advantage of all the great offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Four games left here from the Sunday slate that we did not get to in part one of our week two recap. We've got an overtime game. We'll finish with that one, Titans and Seahawks. I want to start with the tight one here in Arizona with the 2-0 Cardinals and the 0-2 Vikings. 34-33, and it took a missed field goal for the Cardinals to come out of this one with a victory. Kyler Murray, again, just uh, doing big things. He did have a couple interceptions in this game, but 400 yards passing, three more touchdown passes. Rondell Moore was a huge factor in this game. Um, DeAndre Hopkins, not as much, because I think it was a similar situation we just talked about with Baltimore. They know where DeAndre Hopkins is going to line up. He lines up on the left side every single time. So you can double him and at least something else open. In this game, it was the rookie Rondell Moore for seven catches and 114 yards. Yeah, yeah, and it's a really interesting team, the Cardinals. 
first off, I really felt bad for that that Vikings kicker. Like, man, you know, I, I don't even know who he was. He's an established guy. That could be a a career blow to say the least. That was Greg a tough Joseph. way to lose. Yeah, yeah, because I think the Vikes are pretty decent. I mean, as zero and two teams go, they're they're not bad. Um, we mentioned Mahomes and Lamar just now. Kyler is maybe the most fun player to watch in the whole league right now. I mean, I always call him Sonic the Hedgehog because he's little and just takes off and meow, meow, meow. I mean, he, he moves so quickly and he throws the ball so well, too. He's immensely talented and really looks like he's taken a step up this year. I, I think he might be MVP worthy when it's all said and done. I mean, I know that's a big, big statement, but I that's the kind of talent he is as a first overall pick. Um, you mentioned the receivers, and I kind of think it might be Green, Kirk, Moore, revolving door, who knows, week to week. And Moore was wide open for that 77-yarder, but he still got a lot of targets. I mean, a lot of them were behind the line of scrimmage, extension of the run game, really interesting player. But, I mean, he – we can't forget with Rondell Moore because he's very exciting too, and it's kind of like Alan Murray. He is 5'7 even, not 5'7 and an eighth. He is 5'7". I just think that he's going to be a gadgety guy forever. I like him. It, oh, yeah. He has to be a gadgety guy. But you can utilize a gadgety guy quite a bit, and you can get him eight targets a game, and that's fine. Uh, if Kyler Murray is Sonic the Hedgehog, what is Rondell Moore? Yeah, similar. Is he like little, Super little... Mario before he eats the mushroom? Something like that? <laughs> exactly. I like it. <laughs> um. A.J. Green getting involved at the touchdown catch. Max Williams. You know, we had actually even called out Max Williams and how the Arizona Cardinals don't use their tight end. And then, lo and behold, Max Williams comes out seven catches on seven targets for 94 yards. Didn't see that coming. I mean, that guy had some fancy conversations about him since then. I really liked him coming out of school. And then he went to the Ravens and really didn't do anything. He's become a real accomplished blocker, so he gets playing time. I... I'm not biting on that one, though. That might be his career no, best game. I'm not biting on that one either. There's just too many no. mouths to feed there. Too many mouths to feed. And you know DeAndre Hopkins didn't get his, and if they're doubling him, then you know somebody else can come up, Kirk, Moore, Green. But you're right. You don't know who to start each week there, aside from Kyler Murray, who's going to be a fantasy superstar for most folks out there. What about the other side of things? K.J. Osborne was the leading receiver here he's yeah. their number three guy uh all three of their top three receivers had touchdown catches Thielen Jefferson and Osborne um Jefferson not having quite the the year he had as a rookie statistically but you know you can tell he's still the same guy Kirk Cousins efficient 22 of 32 244 yards and three touchdown passes and he didn't turn the ball over so that's uh he did fumble but he yeah. did not lose that fumble so, uh, you know, solid effort there to keep them in it, and the Vikings nearly came back to win that game. Yeah, and again, I, I like what they did. They protected Cousins well against what looked like a fierce Arizona pass rush. Dalvin Cook was Dalvin Cook, even though it felt like he got injured like five times and came back and gutted it out and still was really good. I think Osborne's interesting, especially from a fantasy perspective, but also, I guess, from a, a Vikings perspective. From what I've seen, and I haven't studied it super closely after two games, but it sure seems like Jefferson is the the guy getting all the attention. You know, like we talked about Tyreek earlier and Hopkins. You know, Jefferson has earned that. He's the number one threat, and everyone in the world knows it now. And they've, like, led the league in 12 personnel last year, one back, two tight ends. And with Irv Smith's injury, they've gone to more three receiver sets, which has opened the door for Osborne, which – 
in a way makes him valuable fantasy related almost by default. You know, you're the third receiver in what's going to play a lot. There's nobody really knocking on your heels to knock you off. They're not going to go back to a lot of double tight end sets. What if Jefferson or Thielen were to miss time? He would step up even more. So he's an interesting guy. I don't know a ton about him. Sneaky play. Yeah, I don't either. Sneaky play too <laughs> because teams are going to focus on Thielen and Jefferson and and obviously Dalvin Cook, who looked awesome in this game, left and came yeah, back, yeah. thankfully. 22 carries, 131 yards, didn't get in the end zone or else he would have had a huge fantasy football game there but um man the the offense they they have the weapons and it's just can their defense keep the other teams from scoring 34 points every week right right i mean i think that's that's the key and i think both these teams are interesting you know one's oh and two one's two and oh um to start the year i thought they were probably in the same tier I, i don't feel that way now but i'm not brushing off the bikes and i'm really intrigued with the cardinals and it's unfortunate the division they're in Eric Kendricks all over the place as usual. Nice tackle mm, for yeah. loss there. Big play. Um, Patrick Peterson. Maybe the most underrated linebacker in the league, by the way. Probably, yeah. He doesn't get, get as much credit, and he's uh, among the best in the league. That Just maybe that second, the, the leader of the second group of linebackers after maybe the top yeah, two yeah, or three. Um, Patrick Peterson did a nice job there on DeAndre Hopkins. On the other side, though, that Arizona defense is coming together. I mean, they... They gave up 30, they should have lost this game, giving up 36 points, but 33 points they gave up in this game. By the way, did you hear the <laughs> the home radio call on the missed field goal? I think so. Oh, Refresh me, though. It's, oh, he thought he made it? And, yes, yeah, so. he was freaking out like he made it, and then he, <laughs> it was an all-time call. It was so, you know what, hold on. We're, we're going to secretly pause this podcast because i got to find it. It's too good. It's, I remember it was really funny. Here we go. This is... Vikings radio on the call at the end of that Vikings Arizona Cardinals football game 37 yard field goal attempt to win it with four seconds left high snap put down Joseph come on it is good no he missed it are you kidding me he missed it right he missed it right oh my goodness missed it by like a foot and just oh my god <laughs> how he's sort of rooting for it to go in at the beginning too, and then, oh, yeah, and then has his call in. ready to go. Uh, so excited that it went in, and it did not go in. Didn't go in. Wow. Um, what I found interesting about that too is, you know, it seems like listening to the radio in your car or mowing the lawn or whatever seems so. You know, twenty years ago, you know, my my dad was a transistor radio in the kitchen type mm-hmm. of thing. But people still do for games, you know, like I've gotten to really understand that with the Steelers radio network and all those. And I wonder how many people like drove off the road in Minnesota or, you know, th- threw their hands up and ran the red light or, you know, I mean, like that's a big play. And they're like, we won. Uh, you know, and like, yeah. oh, no, we did. You know? Or maybe like didn't even listen to the second part of the call because once he started yelling right. good, they're like running around or something. And they're like, wait a second. Why is the score not updating? What's going on? <laughs> yeah, we're 0-2. Oh my goodness! All right, uh, let's let's finish this up. It was you, close. Yeah, <laughs> what a, good game. That's a great way to finish it. And a lot of folks like they just want to hear. Even if they watch the game on TV, they're like, "Oh, let's hear the local guy's call of this big moment." Oh you yeah, because yeah. he's a familiar voice, and they want to hear how he calls it. Uh, and that was unfortunate for the Minnesota Vikings there. All around. I always did that with Penguin hockey games. I'd yeah. actually have the radio on in the background because Mike Lang was better than. Yeah, them. or some people. Yeah, you know, they could, they, yeah. they line it up to where they've got the radio call going on in the house, but they're watching the TV version. Yep, yep, yep. All right, Falcons, Bucks, Cowboys, Chargers, Titans, Seahawks next. 
You know what I love about Rock Auto? Not only are they a family business and rockauto.com has been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. If you are into cars or even just a do-it-yourselfer with some minor repairs and minor parts here or there to keep your car in prime condition, you can find everything you need. You don't need to go to some chain store with their oddball pricing and never knowing what's in stock and never knowing what the guy on the other side of the counter is looking at on the screen. And chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. RockAuto.com is for everybody and does not require membership or any account login. And they have literally everything. Blows my mind what they have in stock at RockAuto.com for your specific car, whether it be a classic or your daily driver. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com, always reliably low. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in there. How did you hear about us, Box? So they know we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Do you ever fight for logins or trying to figure out where the stream is going to come from game to game and, and highlight to highlight when you're watching football on a Sunday. Does it sound familiar? One device here that lets you catch the game live another you're streaming your shows and then you've got sports highlights on your phone, neighbors, best friends, log in and all those types of things. Well, I want everybody to know that there's a simpler way to get all that entertainment you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. And it's called Direct TV stream. And I know you know Direct TV and football go hand to hand on an NFL Sunday, and it brings your live TV and on demand favorites together like never before, so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes, no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion. Get your TV together with Direct TV stream. Learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. Similar to the Green Bay Packers, the, the Bucks started off a little bit slow in this game, and the Falcons were in it. And then the Bucks just turned it on with 20 points in the fourth quarter, and it, it looked like a blowout, but it was a little bit closer than this for the first few quarters of the game. 48-25, and... Um, Tom Brady just doing Tom Brady things. How about this one from Michael David Smith on Twitter? Prior to this season, only three players in NFL history had thrown a touchdown pass at age 44 or older. George Blanda threw six touchdowns after turning 44. Vinny Testaverde threw four. And Steve DeBerg threw three. Tom Brady already has nine touchdown passes in two games since turning 44. Wow. The Brady numbers are like Gretzky numbers. Like, they're so unbelievable that it's like, so many of those things will never get broken or, you know, like some of his oh, yeah. stats, if you start digging are just like, this is insane. And those other numbers, those other know? quarterbacks at 44, they were just shells of themselves. Just, you know, just trying to hang on and were allowed right. to play a little bit. Right. And, and Tom Brady is the guy who's going to throw 40 touchdown passes at age 44. I think he's going to throw 50. I've he could. did 50 before the season. An extra game this year. Eight or nine. Th that's extra another game. Yeah, and another aspect we're not talking about this season, there's going to be records falling, an extra game, 17-game season. Oh, yeah, and their running game isn't much. Then They get you know, they get on the one-yard line, they throw Mike Evans a nice one to keep him happy because he was, you know, not featured as much last week. And, you know, he's kind of picking and choosing. You know, A.B. didn't play as much, so he went to Godwin and Evans, and that's fine, you know. Um, this team's really good. Their defense, 
is a little worrisome. You know, I didn't think the defense has been spectacular yet, but it's a good group and it's well coached. Um, Atlanta's in big trouble. I mean, I just think there's no way around that. They don't have talent on defense. And then I happened to tweet this out right before the show was something I read that just 2.5% of Matt Ryan's passing attempts this year have traveled at least 20 yards downfield, which Andy Dalton's the only one worse. And I, I you know, even took it a step further. The Falcons have never had a lead this whole year. So they're playing from behind all the time and they're not throwing the ball down the field. Then I keep saying it through two, two weeks that Matty Ryan and Ben Roethlisberger, are the two quarterbacks that I think look old and Brady sure doesn't despite being their, you know, elder. Five touchdown passes for Brady, two for Ryan with the three interceptions, which really hurts. They don't have a ground game really in Atlanta because obviously uh, their offensive coordinator no. goes from Tennessee to Atlanta. You got Mike Davis, you know, and Cordero Patterson instead of Derrick Henry there. So that's much different if, even if you're trying to run the exact same offense. You know, you, you can't do things he the same He seems there. to love Patterson, though. He has, like, yeah. this affinity for Patterson. Yeah, he does. Many people he had only that. 11 yards on, on seven carries, 1.6 average. So. Yeah, not so good. Uh, not ideal. Cordero involved in the passing game, though, too, and he had a touchdown there and a 23-yarder, you know, five for 58. But Kyle Pitts was the leading receiver with 73 yards, targeted six times. I, I would like more there in a game like this where the other team scores yeah. nearly 50 points. Uh, Calvin Ridley, 10 targets, seven catches, 63 yards. He had the touchdown. Um, Kyle Pitts, I, I want to see both those guys. I like we should see 15 targets a game for Calvin Ridley and 10 targets a game for Kyle Pitts, right? Yeah, you're right. I mean, that's what you got. I mean, that's a bread and butter. They should get the ball over and over and over. I mean, not Kelsey and Tyreek Lake, but sort of, you know, I mean, pattern yourself after that. Um, there were also some game management stuff that didn't bode real well for Arthur Smith in his second yeah. game as a head yeah. coach. Yeah, the, so. the camera shifts over to him, and he's kind of looking oddly at his play card, card and you're like, eh, I feel like maybe. No, I don't want to say he's over his head or anything like that, but you're like, okay, some right. growing pains here for coaches as well as players sometimes. But they they don't have anything on defense. This is a bad football team. No, it's a bad football team. Yeah. And uh, the whole conversation of should they have taken the quarterback or Pitts, well, they might have the same one next year. Yeah, exactly. Uh some banged up corners here for Tampa, which hurts their defense, but they're going to be good mm -hmm. on defense and they're good on offense. So this team is probably uh, number one in everybody's power rankings this week. I would imagine. I would imagine. I mean, all the a lot of the power ranks come out today, and they would be my vote for one. Yep, same here. Especially with the Chiefs losing, although yeah, I'd still yeah. probably keep the Chiefs at two. Let's uh, let's move on. We got a couple more games here and an overtime one to get to. But the Cowboys Chargers was an interesting one. Uh, I'm only on the Chargers this year, but they should have won this football game. 17 points on that Cowboys defense. That's not enough. Yeah, Herbert had a couple. One thing I meant to mention yesterday actually is pretty much all the starting rookie and second year quarterbacks Tua got hurt Mac Jones won and played fine but his average depth of target was like two it was like historically low but as a pretty much as a rule Burrow threw three picks Herbert had some rookie like moments Tua got hurt Wilson threw a million picks Lawrence threw a bunch of picks like the young quarterbacks in week two looked young <laughs> you know what I mean um, yep. By no means am I getting on Herbert's case, though. He also had some unbelievable moments. They had some things going against them as well, namely 12 penalties for 99 yards and two turnovers. I mean, they they made it a little too easy on Dallas. 
I've drawn the comparison a lot to Justin Fields this year, to Justin Herbert last year. Maybe didn't get enough credit coming into the draft. Maybe fell a little bit too far. And once he gets the job, he's not going to give it back. I don't know if the rest of Justin Fields' rookie year is going to look like as good as you know Justin Herbert's was last mm-hmm. year. But we kind of saw it from both of those guys. So Fields gets in the game, has like bad pick. But then you make some wow throws where you're like, wow, the – the wow. ceiling is so high and the floor is high because he can run too, but he makes these types of throws. And Justin Herbert does the same thing, 338 yards passing. He's like, wow, he does this, does that. You just got to take away those two bad plays, those two interceptions and a couple of things here or there. And now we're talking about, oh, wow, look how good Herbert was in this game and the Chargers won by 10 points. Exactly. But give Dallas credit. I mean, their offense, the combination of Zeke and Pollard was really effective. Um, their receivers, even without Gallup, are exceptional uh, um Dak is really the straw that serves the drink some, some people think it's Elliot but it's Dak and I want to call out Micah Parsons too I mean he, he's making a case for defensive rookie of the year already and they were down their edge rushers so they used Parsons even more as an edge guy and frankly that's how he started his college career I mean he came to Penn State as a defensive end more like a you know three four outside linebacker type and he's a speedball off the edge Four quarterback hits in that game for Micah Parsons with oh, really? a sack and a tackle for a loss. So, yeah, he was effective doing that, athletic, coming off the edge. And it's pretty interesting to see how they're using him. And I think this is a huge stock-up game for Dallas, even more so than week one, because knowing that they can win a game like this, keep a team under 20 points, run the ball a little bit, and not have to be yeah, yeah. Dak throwing it 50 times. Good point, good point. And really, in week one, I was impressed, too. I mean, anyone that competes in opening night against a defending champion – I give the thumbs up to. I mean, it's just such an awful situation to walk into. And I'm not even positive they were the better team in week two, but it was very equal. Um, but they got they found a way to win, and you're right. You know, you keep the Chargers with all their weapons and Herbert and Eckler, uh, I mean, all uh, under 20 points. That's That's great for what they have on defense. Two more notes on the Chargers. One big worry for me, and they've got some stars. They've got Bosa. Um, they've got Derwin James, but their run defense, that worries me a little bit. There's too much space up front in the middle of their defensive line. And then uh, we talked about how Eckler didn't get a single target last week. Well, he had nine targets this week in the passing game. Yeah, that is noteworthy. Um, The guy, I feel like the Chargers first-round pick next year, to your point, might be a defensive tackle. Like, Jerry Tillery has not lived up to the first-round billing. I mean, they, they need a dude inside to kind of complete this defense, in my opinion. Um, I have one other guy. Oh, another young guy I just want to throw out there from this game. And some of it grew on me during hard knocks. But uh, Stefan Diggs' is little brother, the, the corner. Trayvon Diggs, yeah. Yeah, I always forget his first name. Uh, he might be very, very good. <laughs> I mean, I love I like his him. swag, his attitude. He is a talented guy. I mean, he could be a star. How about this one? The Tennessee Titans beat the Seattle Seahawks on the road. It's a tough place to play. 33-30, the field goal in overtime. Uh, this is one I did not see coming. This is one I did not see coming when the Seahawks, by the way, at halftime were up, what, 24-9 to or something like that? Yeah. I mean, I'm pulling it up now just to be sure because I was going to say the same thing. The score going into the half was, yeah, 24-9. And it, I thought it was over, you know, just kind of oh, watching yeah. it. I mean, like, this is a done deal. I give the Titans credit, though. I mean, 0-2 was a, is a tough one to climb out of. They're better than that. 
They are a tough-minded team. They've got their issues. Don't get me wrong. I mean, their protection's so-so. The defense is, we'll call it a work in progress, but that's very kind. You know, I mean, Farley and Bud and some of these guys aren't even 100%, and they're, you know, new new places, new faces and new places. But they, and really the offense, it hasn't come easy for the offense. I know they've put up 33 points here. A.J. Brown had some drops and some plays he usually makes. You know, Julio had a touchdown callback that didn't make any sense to me. But I think the biggest nugget out of here, and this is super fantasy related, I don't mean to say be so fantasy oriented, is they're throwing the ball to Derrick Henry. Yeah, how about that? <laughs> yeah, six receptions. I like that for my Peacock and Williamson fantasy football team, by the way. 47.7 points for Derrick Henry in this football game, um, which is massive. And so big comeback for Team Peacock to get a win in week two after just a horrid week one for my team from both Henry and guys like Aaron Rodgers. Um but, Aaron Jones won me my game, by the way, last night. Oh, that's right, Aaron Jones. Okay, yeah. Trouble, so we had some yeah, big performances there from our first round picks, which is which is a very <laughs> nice thing for uh, and bodes well for our fantasy football seasons here in Peacock Williamson. Um, but yeah, Derek, it's Derek Henry is such an odd player because he needs forty carries to warm up. You know what I mean? It's the weirdest yeah, yeah. thing to say. Ah, well, we're gonna get Derek Henry. 35 carries in this game, and he ends up with 182 yards and uh, three touchdowns, and they're throwing him the ball. He led the team, tied with Julio Jones, for with six receptions and, and six targets, you know? Um, he's never going to be a split-out, wide-running routes type of a guy, but he, no. he, he can catch a ball, you know? He's a football right, player. Right. He can be utilized in that role, which is huge for fantasy football, and it's important for teams to defenses to know that you can do that on offense. Yeah, I mean... It's kind of bothered me because it's not like he has two frying pans for hands. I mean, if you throw him a six-yard pass, and I don't even mean six yards downfield. I mean, the ball travels six yards in the air. A little swing. Just in the flats. or You know, he's going to catch it. <laughs> I mean, he's an athlete. I mean, you know, one of the issues with him with those things are is once he stops his feet, it takes him a minute to get going. So if he's standing there in the flat and you hit him, you know, he's got to get rumbling again. But still – there's only three tacklers in front of him instead of nine in the box. If you can get him in those situations. And we know once he gets accelerating down the edge, he's going to run over corners and defensive backs and stiff arms will be flying. So get him the ball any way you can, I guess is my point. Um, two Seahawk notes too. I wanted to mention Tyler Lockett. I mean, I, I know people are, he's so hit and miss. I mean, this guy's not the Sean Jackson, Teddy Ginn. This guy's a great player. And him and Wilson are so good together. This was a, one of those, uh, you know, Wilson Lockett hookup type games. And I know some people worried about Metcalf. I'm not at all. But I also want to call up Bobby Wagner. I mean, I'm not sure I've talked about him enough over the last couple of years. Easy Hall of Famer, probably one of the best 10 linebackers that ever lived. Him and Keekley to me, were neck and neck as the best guys of this generation. And, and I know tackle numbers are a little goofy, but. He ended up with 20 total tackles in this game. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You look at the other side and you're like, okay, Derrick Henry, 35 carries, six more yeah. catches, 41 touches for Derrick Henry. Uh, let's look at Bobby Wagner. Okay, 20 tackles. Okay, that makes sense. That that adds up. 20 tackles in this game. 20 tackles. Yeah, I mean, and he's all over the field. He had a sack. He's great in coverage. I mean, of all the Legion of Boomers, he's not only withstood the test of time the best, but I think he's actually the best player and has the best Hall of Fame case of all those guys. 
Seahawks at 1-1, one one, the only team with a loss in the NFC West. They could not close it out. We'll see if they show up for me in tomorrow's Stock Up, Stock Down segment. A fantastic week two in the books. Turning the page to week three. Your questions at BD Peacock at Williamson NFL tomorrow as well. Right here, Peacock and Williamson.